Hello and welcome to the Arista Wealth Podcast, where we focus on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle, so you can focus on living your dreams. We'll help you navigate through important topics so that you can elevate your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffitt. Welcome to Arista Wealth Podcast. With our guest today, we have Garland Vance. Garland comes to us and is connecting with us from Knoxville, Tennessee. And if you've ever met anybody from Tennessee, most of the people out of there are good. Garland is one of these great people. Just to give you a little background, Garland co-founded the Advanced Leadership with his wife, Dorothy, and he's the author of Getting Unbusy. Garland helps individuals and organizations know their why while living and leading with a greater sense of peace. Garland worked while earning his doctorate and helped raise three children. I love that. Helped raise three children instead (laughs) of delegating it. (laughs) He started experiencing migraines, health palpitations, and exhaustion, and many other symptoms that caused him to say, why is he being stressed out due to his busyness? This experience led him to focus his doctoral work on the effect of business on leaders and how to beat it. Welcome to Arista Wealth Podcast, Garland. Thanks so much, Paul. Super excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you and let's get right into it. Is there anything else you want to add about your background, Garland? Because sometimes it's just not justice. It's good to have our listeners tell us a little bit more. Well, it's, it's funny. One of the things I love to, to tell people is I actually spent 15 years in leadership development with a, a little chicken restaurant that, that a few people have heard of called Chick-fil-A. And so I was actually on their nonprofit side in leadership development for 15 years. And that's when uh, busyness became a topic that was so interesting to me because I kept hearing so many people talk about busyness and then was experiencing the symptoms myself. Yeah. Well, I think I've heard of that little chicken company. (laughs) You know, I think Chick-fil-A is phenomenal. It's exciting what they're doing. Yeah. I actually drove past one and they had not one, but two drive-thrus yeah, they here have, in Las Vegas. Recently. They're just, they're phenomenal. It's a, an amazing family who owns that, an amazing company, great people. I'm proud to have been affiliated with them for so long. Yeah. Well, thank you for that additional insight. We wouldn't have known unless we asked. So that's great. Question for you is what is busyness and why do you say it is killing us? Yeah. So, so busyness is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. So, you know, if you think about it, everybody, you know, describes their lives as busy, even in the midst of a pandemic and COVID, you still have people who are describing life as, as busy. So you just see a friend and ask them how they're doing. And they're going to tell you, oh, I'm really good. My life is just busy. And so as I started researching it, it was, well, what is busyness in the first place? And discovered that busyness is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. So if you're busy with home and and work stuff and projects that you're doing with helping out in the neighborhood or attending a church or there's all these things and what ends up happening in our lives is we have so many good commitments that it becomes too much. And it's kind of like this story that I love to tell about my oldest son. Uh, He's 16 years old this year, but he was a few years ago, we went to a sushi restaurant And my son decided to order this sushi roll that was designed for two people to eat. And he ate the whole thing all by himself. (laughs) 
And at the end of it, he was like, he just got so sick. And for the next three years, no lie, for three years, if I said the word sushi, my son would turn green. He could not handle the thought of, of sushi. But sushi's good. It's a great food. But if you eat too much of it, it becomes really bad. And it's the same with busyness. When we put all of those good commitments into our lives, it ends up being bad. And it's it's literally killing us. And I know we'll talk some about this, yeah. Paul, but but literally the research is showing that it's killing us physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. It does massive damage to our productivity and has even been known to destroy entire organizations. And so it is literally killing us. Wow. Talk to us about some of the casualties. I mean, you know, you, you've mentioned those key things, the physically, the mentally, and emotionally. I mean, what's the casualty out there? What, what, what is a, a carnage that you're seeing yeah. wrecking individuals and marriages and families and corporations? Yeah. So let's talk for a second just about the physical effects yeah. of it. So, yeah. so this one's, one's crazy. Okay. So busyness has been linked to 26 different diseases that people have, oh. whether it's colitis, diverticulitis, chronic muscle tension, chronic headaches, heart disease, early onset heart disease. I mean, 26 different diseases, but here's why. And this is what's, what's so interesting with it is what busyness does is it introduces stress into your life, right? When you have one meeting after another meeting, after another meeting, and then your kids have a soccer game, you know, whatever it is, when you have too many commitments, that introduces stress. And it's good stress because there are good commitments. But our bodies don't know the difference between good stress and bad stress. Your body doesn't know the difference between if you have bad stress, like you run into a bear in the middle of the woods in Tennessee versus good stress, you're going to stand up in front of a group of people and tell them something that you're passionate about. So our bodies experience stress and that releases adrenaline and cortisol. And those things give us the energy that we need to deal with the stress. But once we've dealt with that stress, our bodies are supposed to go into this, this calming experience. It's, it's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's supposed to wash all that adrenaline and cortisol out of our bodies. But the problem is that what busyness does is as soon as we deal with one stressor, it immediately introduces another stress into our lives. So rather than our parasympathetic nervous system calming and, and getting all of that adrenaline and cortisol, it just adds more and more and more adrenaline and cortisol to us. And it's that buildup that's actually so toxic. Because one of the effects of cortisol is that it shuts down our body's unnecessary systems, right? So if you're running into a bear in the, in the middle of the woods, right, that's bad stress. You don't need your digestive system. You know, you, you don't need, there's so many parts of your body that you don't really need functioning really well. And, and so cortisol builds up in our bodies and shuts down those parts over a long wow. period of time. And so literally, when I say busyness is killing you, it's literally destroying people's bodies and killing them. And it's because we have so many good commitments. So that's just the, the physical effect of, of what busyness is doing to us. Gosh, that's the physical. Let's talk about the emotional. Yeah. Using that bear analogy, talk to us about what the effects are on the emotional and the mental. Yeah, so so busyness has been tied to burnout. Now, now before the pandemic, burnout was actually just starting to be a topic because in 2019, the World Health Organization identified 
burnout as a chronic medical condition affecting the workplace. And they said, we don't know what to do about it, but we just know that this is a problem. Well, busyness has been linked to burnout and burnout has three stages that you experience when when you go through it. And the first is what's known as emotional exhaustion. And emotional exhaustion means I just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with the day, okay? So, So first we go into burnout. The second stage of burnout is called depersonalization. That's when we begin to actively dislike the people that we care about the most, right? So most people are busy because of clients, they're busy because of jobs, they're busy because of their kids, and we begin to actively dislike the very people that we're supposed to be caring for, which is not great. And then the final stage of burnout is we have a loss of sense of personal accomplishment so that no matter what you do, it feels like it's never enough. So what busyness is doing to us emotionally is we we feel like we don't have enough emotional gas in our tank to deal with the day. We don't have the bandwidth to deal with people who demand patience and, and need patience from us. And at the end of the day, we feel like we've never done enough. And so we go to bed exhausted, we wake up exhausted, and we start this cycle over again. That's just going to wear you down emotionally. And the, the hardest part with it, Paul, is that what most people do is they shame themselves at that point into thinking that the solution is that they should be doing more. More. And so they'll they just enter back in deeper into this cycle where they go, gosh, I'm not doing enough. What's wrong with me? I should volunteer for this organization. I should read this book. I should go out and do these other things. And it just wears them out. They jump on that gerbil wheel. (laughs) Yes. That that, that think if they get back on it and run faster, it will go away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, having no idea that that's actually the worst thing in the world. Worst thing to do is to get back on the gerbil wheel when in fact they should go find a couch. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Maybe a therapist couch, maybe a, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe a just ther- a couch to lay down on, yes. <laughs> or the Capital One couch, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never thought of those three stages of burnout. What's what great insight. I see this with so many of our business owner clients and retirees and, and clients in general, those stages of burnout. We appreciate you sharing that with us. Garland, in your book, you talk about an exercise that can help people get back 10 hours each week. What's that secret thing that you talk about in your book that we need to know about? One of the things that I that I realized as I was going through the research of busyness and trying to recover from my own obsession with busyness is that that most of us make a mistake. And I'll tie this back to, to what we were talking about with emotions. Most of us make this mistake of thinking that the solution to having too much to do is that we're going to add more to our lives, right? We need to get better at time management, all of these things. When in reality, one of the first things that we need to do is get stuff out of our lives. And so I call this the commit to uncommit exercise. So it's where we make a deep commitment to uncommit from a lot of exercises uh, and and a lot of commitments in our lives. So uh, here's what you do in in this. The the first step is you, you take down a sheet of paper and you literally write down every commitment that you have in your life and not ambiguous things like work, no, like actually take down the, the clients or the projects that you have and you just get it on paper where you write out every commitment that you have in your life. 
And then just next to that, you're going to go and you're going to write down how many hours per week or how many hours per month you spend on that commitment. This is going to help you quantify, right? How much am I actually spending on this? So it could be a, you know, a weekly team meeting that you spend four hours a month on your attendance at the Rotary Club. And that's, you know, two hours a month, whatever it is, you're going to put down the time that it takes. Okay. So that's, that's step two. Step three is you classify each of those commitments in one of three ways. You either put a happy face, a sad face, or just a straight mouth face, a meh face. So I call it the the yeah, the nah, or the meh. So yeah means I love this commitment. It adds so much energy to me. I can't imagine not doing this commitment. Like I feel more alive when I do this. The nah is this commitment sucks energy out of my life. Like I feel less human when I am done attending this and, and doing this. And then the meh, the, the middle ground is I don't feel anything. It's just, it's there. Okay. Making sense yeah, so far? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you go through every commitment. Yeah. Meh or nah. And then you have the opportunity to go through the, the meh and the nah, the sad face and the straight line face. And you have one of four options because the more you can get those unenergizing, uninspiring commitments out of your life and the more time you have to do the energizing things, the more you're going to enjoy your life, the less busy you're going to be. And so you go through each of those, the nah and the maz, and you make one of uh, four choices with it. First, you're going to, you could delete it. You say, I I hate this. I'm just going to get it out of my life. I'm going to, you know, get rid of it. So, so maybe you're part of a book club and you go, I don't really get a whole lot of energy from it. I don't like the books that we read. I'm going to delete this from my life. I'm just going to call up the person and say, Hey, I'm done. I'm not going to come to that. Or you might negotiate it. You might say to a person uh, for one of those commitments, Hey, I don't enjoy doing this and you have something that you don't enjoy. So let's let's negotiate a trade together. So we did this with a, with a neighbor of ours where she loves picking up kids from school. And so we said, hey, if you'll pick up the kids from school, here's something that we'll do for you that we enjoy doing. So we just negotiated a little trade with her. So, so you delete it, you negotiate it, Third is you delegate it. You give it to somebody else, right? Here's something that I'm doing. I don't enjoy doing it. I'm going to give it to somebody else to do, which even if, you know, they don't work for you, you can still delegate so many things to, to people. And then the fourth is if you have to, you accept it and you say, okay, for the time being, I've got to do this commitment. What so many of us miss out on is that we have commitments that we could negotiate. We can negotiate things with our bosses. We can negotiate things with our neighbors. We can delegate things to other people. But because we're not intentional with thinking about the commitments that we have and what they're doing to us, we're not intentional with what we do uh, with those. And so that little exercise alone, what I have found frees up five to 10 hours a week of a person's schedule where they get rid of commitments that they didn't want. Anyway, so you're talking like 250 hours to 500 hours in a year that you free up because you did the commit to uncommit exercise. But what happens if they fall back into overcommitting? You know, there's so many people out there that will declutter in the spring, and but by winter, the garage is full with more stuff. So 
what's your advice to some of these people that then jump back on the Superman mentality? So I think that part of it is going through that commit to uncommit exercise on a fairly regular basis because oh, all of us okay. do that. I do that as well. The other secret is to develop a really strong no. Uh, and in fact, I, ca- <laughs> I call it I call it default to no and defend to yes. See, see, most of us feel like when somebody asks us to do something that we're obligated to say yes. If we don't say yes, like if we say no to something, then we have to give a defense for why we're not going to do it. Yeah. And I think we need to flip the script on that. Make no your default answer even to yourself. I have way more ideas that I think are exciting than I will ever have time to do. So I'm saying no to myself all the time. Like, no, Garland, you can't do that right now. Maybe one day you can do that, but you just can't do that right now. So you make no your default answer and then turn yes into something that you defend. And what it means to defend your yes is that your yes is slow. You force yourself or you say to somebody, hey, you got to give me 48 hours to think about that. Your yes is careful. And what that means is you think about the ripple effect of saying yes to somebody. What's going to happen when when you say yes? How much commute time does that add to your life? What extra commitments, you know, are kind of in the fine print there? And then the last part of a a well-defended yes is you subtract a commitment before you add a commitment in. Oh, that's and I'll tell you, idea. as we're getting ready to go into kind of a post-pandemic world where people start to reintegrate into society, this is going to be so important for them to begin thinking through, what am I going to get out of my life that has, you know, that's been in here for the last year so that I can make room for the new things that I'm doing? Because if we go back into society and we just say yes to everything, we're going to slip into busyness so quickly and get overwhelmed too quickly. Yeah. You know, the word busy is sort of a four-letter word. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> you know, and I think it's becoming one of the, the bad four-letter words. With these mental skill sets that you've discussed today, it really helps myself and I'm sure our listeners today to sort of have some of you know, these arrows in their quivers to know how to get unbusy because yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, we had a, a couple, husband and wife, that are both retired and they think they got to go all these different cities and do all these things just to see their grandkids and they're exhausted. So I'm seeing this across the board from 75 and 80-year-olds who have to go and do all these things with their grandchildren and their kids. And if they feel that they're not there, they're letting them down and they don't want to be remembered as not showing up to a place. All the way to students and kids that are carrying 21 and 18 credit hours and working and studying. And so I think this is really a pandemic of ourselves it is. It is. It, it's a self-inflicted injury, but it has become a culturally accepted way of living. If you tell people that you're not busy, I mean, at this point, you know, I published a book about it and all that. And so people don't give me the strange looks that they used to. But when I first started talking about it and people would say, you know, I know you're really busy. And I would say, no, I'm actually not really busy. I'm very intentional with my time, but I'm, I have all the time in the world. 
people would just give me this really strange look at, <laughs> because it was busyness is so expected in our society. Yeah. And, and I like how you said that, you know, busy, busy really means lack of planning and lack of priorities. It does. Yeah. That that's a huge part of it. And and I think one of the reasons I really encourage people to get commitments out of their life ahead of time is because it's hard. The more things you have in your life, the harder it is to prioritize what's really important. And so if you can eliminate, you know, 10, 15 commitments from your life, it becomes significantly easier to see what's really important to you. Yeah. Well, Garland, this has been just so insightful and we're so appreciative. Where can our listeners learn more about you and become unbusy? Yeah. So go to killbusy.com, killbusy.com. And you can find out more about me, find out more about what busyness is doing to you. And here's the best part. I'm just a big believer in in this right now. And so uh, my wife and I, who's my business partner as well, made a, a commitment this year. We said, we're going to give the book away for free if people will just pay for shipping and handling. So go to killbusy.com. I will send you a signed copy of the book if you'll just pay for the shipping and handling yeah. there. Wow. That's very kind of you to do that for our listeners. And we work with some very successful individuals and you know they're all looking on how to optimize their lives and this is a very kind gesture from you at killbusy.com so that we can all become unbusy and really focus on more important things you know in this yep. life we want to thank all of our listeners please remember go to aristawealth.com to get other videos tools tips and resources to help you live your optimal life don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss out on learning from our excellent guests today like Garland. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. This episode of the Arista Wealth Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle so you can focus on living your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.